1: yeah hello and welcome to the street press podcast my name is sean fraser if it's your first time here this podcast is all about interviewing people in the music industry we chat about anything Uh, the conversation can go absolutely anywhere. If you are someone who listens regularly, you've heard me say this a few times, you want me to shut up. Uh, (laughs) Hey, uh, before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a story Uh, on Friday night, uh, winding down after a long week of work, turn on the barbecue, fire it up. I I get the snags out, ready to cook, have a nice glass of red wine. I'm starting to feel nice and relaxed, I get a text from one of my friends, one of my best friends, and I know he listen <laughs> I know he listens to this podcast, so I just wanted to say a story. I won't say his name, um, because that wouldn't be fair. But uh, he sends me a text, and the text reads, Hey, remember the movie Mouse Hunt? And I write back, Yeah, yeah, I remember that, because the, the movie is about the little mouse um running around the house and um <laughs> and these adults are trying to catch the thing, right? Anyways, my mate writes back to me and he goes, it's such a great movie. You know, the second time around, second time, like, I didn't realize it was so good. And then I'm like, what? And I write back to him, are you stoned? (laughs) Took about two minutes and he writes back, yeah, you got me. He said, uh, "Wow, that was pretty quick." But I was like, "Man, you're talking about it—a a little mouse running around a house—and uh, and saying it's a great movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying that uh, for Friday night and uh, that message to come out of the absolute blue—it <laughs> was a—it was a great text to get. So, uh, thank you. You know who you are. Anyways, today on the podcast, Blake Teares. Uh, he is the bass player and singer for a band called Molly and the Krells, but he also has a solo career. And uh, the solo career is really kicking off at the moment. The band is on hiatus, but the solo career is going from strength to strength. He's just done a tour of 28 dates. So all of October he's spent on the road. And um, I got him on the on the podcast sort of halfway through his tour, which I really love doing. I love chatting to people while they're out on the road, and um, and, and Blake and I had a had a really good chat. Actually, there's plenty that we have in common. We were both once upon a time cover artists, so we'd sit in corner bars to two or three people and sing songs just to make, you know, a quick buck, I suppose. Um, but you know, we both do our solo stuff and acoustic stuff, and we both play in punk bands, and uh, it was really good to have him on, actually. We talk about his latest song, which has some really funny lines in it, um, almost literally, if you get my drift. It's about going out drinking and then doing other stuff. And uh, how everyone just sort of sits around in a backyard and um, they're all feeling that happy and that excited that they start talking about business plans. And uh, I really love that line in his, in his song because I know a lot of people like that. Hey, I might be someone that's done that once upon a time too. We get actually really deep about like it's almost like a therapy session we start talking about like how we deal how we both deal with uh criticism because uh i've had it all my life and uh and so is blake you know you write music you put it out not everyone's gonna love it so uh he talks about how he deals with that sort of stuff also as part of our therapy session we talk about how positivity can bring opportunity in music so all of that and more to come this is my interview with blake Gutierrez.
0: Hey, were you at a yeah. gig last night? Yeah, I play I play pretty often. So this week I had three and then I'm flying to Melbourne tomorrow morning, red eye flight, I'm playing a show at yeah, Last Chance, rock and roll bar, which is all part of this tour for this song that I'm putting out. So yeah, I play pretty regularly to like doing cover gigs. So I'm usually like doing, I play at Frankie's Pizza Tuesday and Wednesday nights at that rock yep. and roll bar in the City. city. Um, and then yeah, just cover gigs like just solo stuff or um, just whoever will have I me. Mean, that's how I make my money.
1: It's good to see because obviously the last couple of years things must have dried up. Yeah, it was man, it was grim. I was listening to a few of your songs before, and there is one about COVID. It's the second one on your uh, yeah. on your Spotify. Um, look, I I love songwriting. Like there are people that just listen to music and they they love the tune. They love the melodies and all that sort of stuff, which is cool. I love all that stuff too. But um, yeah, I love when you know I hear a song like that and I start hearing some of the things, the references to taking the toilet paper and and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you know, like it's real. You know, we all went through that. And I love, I love that kind of songwriting. So it's a, it was a great song.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I, I I did that like basically. So I think it was like there was like a weekend. The lockdowns were like announced, and then the following Monday they came into effect. I think I wrote that on the Saturday. And it just, it was just, it just fell out of me. Like I fine it, tuned it over like the weeks and months, but like all the, all the lyrics came out of me in that afternoon and it just, it just worked. And I was like, look, this is kind of like, like you listen to the song, you know exactly what it's about. And I was like, that's cool because that all oh, my favorite songwriters kind of do that kind of stuff anyway. So I didn't want, I didn't try and like think too much about it. I just like let it come out of me and then, yeah, it is what it is. And it, it works like through the lockdowns as what, like, you know, there's plenty of time to like, watch podcasts and shit like that. And a lot of songwriters were talking about how they wrote like lockdown songs and like, you know, their lockdown songs should probably stay in lockdown because everyone's got one and no one's no one wants to be reminded of that kind of shit. And I was like, you know what? I'm really proud of this. I'm really proud of this song that I wrote. So I'm gonna get it recorded properly, go to Def Wolf and get it done right and put it on this EP that, you know, will come to fruition next year.
1: I've spoken to a few people who have written songs uh, during lockdown and written about the pandemic and stuff, and they've had a very similar sort of vibe to what you said. Yeah, They've just sort of thought, oh, does the world need to hear about it? We've been hearing (laughs) about it on the news every day and stuff. But I think it's just like, you know, if you have a busted up relationship, you still write a song about that, you know? So um, I I think everyone's been through it and everyone's, that's like, yeah, like the low hanging
0: fruit on the songwriting tree. You know, it's still fruit, it's still good to write about, it's still good to pick and it still creates sustenance for your career but like yeah there's no reason to not write about it did you write a lockdown
1: song uh yes i do have one uh with the band I, so i do very similar to what you do i have a punk band yeah and i play acoustically as well but, yeah uh,
0: yeah i checked out some of the ritzy kid stuff it's
1: cool oh, good yeah. <laughs> yeah we only we only played a show like our first show just a couple of weeks ago um but okay. yeah we we wrote a song about lockdown and it was definitely, it was in 2020. We haven't released it yet, but uh, we probably will. But it's a, yeah, we wrote it in 2020. And and, yeah. and just like you you said, you know, um, that's what was happening at the time when I was strumming my guitar, they were the words that fell out. and Yeah, um,
0: it's absolutely. It. It's like songs, like I kind of like it in this respect, like you're talking about, I liken it to tattoos. Like I don't know if you have any, I got plenty. Um, yeah, so how many tattoos you got? Uh, they've kind of blended all into one-on-one on one arm. Like, it's Hang a on, what's leader. what's the guitar? Is it a guitar or a bass? It's a bass because so oh, I nice. grew up playing bass. I started playing bass when I was about eight, yeah. and I'm much better at bass than I am guitar. I kind of just string cowboy chords together, which is all you really need to write the bare bones of a song, so I can kind of get rid with yeah. it. But I kind of liken, I got plenty. And like I was in Brisbane, uh, Queensland the weekend before and my mate that drove up with me, we got matching tattoos just on our legs. It says, it is what it is. But the the is is spelt I-Z as well just because. Okay, just just (laughs) because. Just because. It is what it is. It's a very like, it's a very well-rounded, versatile saying. You can just, something goes wrong with
1: man. It is what it is. I, I abuse it. (laughs) <laughs> I, use <that. laughs> I use that so much. Um, you're talking about your bass playing and I was watching you play, um, you've got a few videos on your YouTube yeah. of you playing bass and the latest one I think is a Paramore song. And I actually didn't think that song was that technical, like as technical as it actually is. Yeah, they're deceptively
0: intricate. The songwriting is really good and I think that's what kind of, on top of Hayley's lyrics, I think that's kind of what set them apart from and epitomised her as like, you know, there was that, there was that period of time where like, most women in music, if they were fronting a band, they were influenced by Paramore or they were likened to Paramore, much to the Chagrin, however you pronounce that word, Chagrin, Chagrin of whoever was that singer. Like people got over it really quickly. They're like, yes, I know Hayley Williams exists, but yet yeah, she's not the only person I'm influenced by.
1: That's right. Yeah, I know a lot of female vocalists. And I can see how so many rock chicks, just because Hayley, because let's be honest, she skyrocketed. Like when Paramore hit the scene, they were the biggest band at the time and yeah. uh, and fronted by a female vocalist. So I can see why yeah. people say that, but it's kind of rude because uh, it's not that way at all with a lot of- Yeah, there's more,
0: there's more to it than that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. New single is out, Days, yeah. Weeks, Months and Years. Tell us about that one. Where did you record it? Uh, I went
0: to, there's a studio down in Cornell in the Shire uh, called Deathful Studios, and it's run by uh, Daniel Antics, and he's the guitarist in a band called Nerdlinger, um, and they're awesome, like, you know? yes. I
1: know Nerdlinger, yeah.
0: Uh, so he's a guitarist in Nerdlinger, and he's just, he's had that studio for a while, it used to be in Redfern, and he's finally found, like, a decent, like, place to build, a like, a, a good recording rooms where you can like get get like an all-in-one get some drum, good drum sounds guitar sounds everything like that um and he's he's also just a mate like I've known him for a long time as well probably like close to 10 years and I just came to him with so I wrote I wrote days weeks months and years like before lockdown yeah the idea of it started to like marinate in my head like 2019 um and then I kind of finished them off had plenty of time in lockdown to do it. Uh, Kind of finished them off and um, took a bunch of songs to him. And we recorded them in November in 2020. So I've been sitting on these for like, what is it? Almost two years now. But... Yeah, so he, he's just like an amazing, like musical mind. He's really good with drums. He's really good with um, just bringing, getting the best out of a song. The song came from me. So like, as I mentioned before, like I do a lot of cover work and that's, that's how I'm not good at anything else. So I decided to try and make some money out of music. And I do a lot of cover band work or like solo, you know, solo sets and restaurants and bars and stuff like that. And I was working so much because I was kind of like when I first made the transition from like doing a landscaping job to music full-time i was like really living hand-to-mouth it was a big sacrifice and a big step out of my comfort zone and i think i got a bit of like financial scarring as they would call it from just living like barely scraping by like lenny and the simpsons like please don't tell anyone how i live <laughs> um, and i think i got a bit of financial scarring for that so when i finally like, like t- tapped into like solo acoustic stuff it like it just blew the door open like it's really quite a lucrative. Um, if you can do it well quite a lucrative um
1: yeah you you can make some money playing solo yeah. hey and a,
0: and i was just like saying yes to everything like people would dangle a the carrot in front of my head, face and like you know I, i'd have two gigs and like there'd be like a pocket of like four or five hours between the two gigs and someone would you know offer me something that worked and i was like done do it and so i was playing like three, four, three, three hour gigs in a day wow like getting it getting it done and making money and i just i just got myself into this rhythm and I didn't want to cancel any gigs. I didn't want to fuck over agents or like, you know, people are having birthday parties or weddings and you don't want to be like, Oh, by the way, like, no, I'm not into it anymore. So I find someone else like you can't do that. So I, I had this jam packed schedule and you know, the, this recurring trend of like, playing on a Friday or a Saturday night and, you know, there'd be my mate's gig happening and I'd have to miss it or someone's birthday or just a house party or something. And I'd have to miss it because I have this commitment that I'd already locked in. And it just built up over time. I was like, fuck, like what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm just working too much. Like this is, this is not being productive. This is just being busy. Like this is filling my time with um, unnecessary distractions, which is money really. Um, and I was just in that mindset because I've just been living without for so long. I was like, yes, I'll do, I will do it. I'll do it. Um, and so this song came It just came out of me like this, this tipping point, you know, I was packing up from a gig in Penrith and I just opened Instagram and looked on a story and everyone was having a great time at this gig. I wanted to be in Newtown and I was like, fuck, like, what am I doing? And I just like packed up my gear. I didn't go anywhere. I just sat down and this, this restaurant was kind of like, 20 meters away from the Nepean river. And it's a really nice river. And you can sit on a hill. I just sat on a hill and just like wrote these lyrics and sat there for about two hours and got out like a verse and verse and a half. That was enough for me to go, okay, I know, I know where I need to go with this song. I can, you know, I need to go home now. Um, And I just, you know, chipped away at it for like, you know, a couple of days, weeks, months, and years. Um, And, and then finally got the song happening.
1: Um, yeah. there is a part in that song that's, uh, that makes me smile when I was driving home and I was listening to it talking about like, um, getting on the bags and yeah. <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> there was, well, that- there was a
0: period where like when, when antics was mixing that, there was some weird inflection in one of the takes I did on that, on that thing. And he was just looping it. So it was just like, for like two minutes straight, you were just hearing get a bag, get a bag, get a bag. <laughs> and I was like, you fuck, tested me now antics. Like, what are you doing to me?
1: <laughs> I, I just love that line because, uh, when uh, when you're around people and they're uh, they're carrying on and they're not just drinking, um, they are talking business plans. They're talking about a whole bunch of stuff
0: in the for conversation. Some, for some weird reason, it's always the best time people just like, yeah,
1: we should yeah. start a band. We should do this. Yeah. This is a
0: great idea for T-shirts. Let's, let's do that.
1: Let's make a bike shop. It's like, <laughs> what? Why Why a bike shop? I know nothing about bikes. You know, like it's just, it really gets, um, I was listening to, you know, Wee Man and Steve-O, Jackass guys. Yep. Um, Wee Man has never gone near any of that stuff. Right. But all the other Jackass guys, um, allegedly have, uh, have dabbled in, in things. And he's talking to Steve-O about it and, um, steve says to Wee Man, why didn't you hang out with us when we were like that? And he said, I just couldn't stand the business chat.
0: <laughs> it, yeah. You look, it's always the day after as well. Like you wake yeah. up and you, if you do remember what you're talking about, it's always just like, a, ah, I can't <laughs> believe we were talking about that. I really hope he doesn't follow me up on that because I don't want to do that. And then they're probably
1: thinking the same thing. I'm sure you. I'm sure you've lived a similar life to me. You sort of hang out with a few people, and you get on the, on the beers, and then one thing leads to another, and it's six AM, and you're sitting on a couch with someone or or a group of people that you don't even know.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, I have been there. I'm not going to lie, I have been there. Um, I try and I try and reduce those occasions to um, just a couple of times a year, I guess, and you yeah. know, I, I I try and reserve those those kind of nights for like like a celebration, I guess. Like if I, you know, put put a lot of effort into a gig or like, you know, worked hard on something and, you know, got some results or like finally like released a song or something. It's like, yeah, all right. Or my birthday, I'm like, yeah, all right. I'm going to have a good time tonight. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, obviously you don't want to really make a habit of
1: it. (laughs) No, it's not good for your wallet. It's not good for your health. Yeah. Um, I'm too gray. I'm going gray. I can't be doing those nights anymore. I'd r- <laughs> Honestly, I'd much rather be sitting at home with the dog nowadays. <laughs> it's pretty lame, but that's just the way it is. Hey, you're in a punk band. Um, Molly and the Crowds. Yes.
0: We are on a hiatus at the moment, just okay. because there's like different and coming out of lockdown. It was like a decision that we yep. discussed together. Everyone has, has like all the different priorities. Two of the guys are getting engaged. And then one of the guitarists is actually moving overseas because he got, his girlfriend lives in Europe and his work is actually expanding to to the UK. And it was just a no brainer. So he's going to move over there.
1: You're talking about obviously with the band and how you're on a hiatus and everyone's working stuff. it's, it's one of those things though, you've got to, you've got to think about, you can't throw all your eggs in the one basket and just like, I I mean, you're doing it with your solo stuff, but sometimes when you've got other people to worry about um, and I'm in this situation as well, where, you know, I can't just tell the boys like, let's all quit our jobs and and become yeah. punk rockers. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I I always say to the boys that like, you know, work work sort of comes first. Or you know, we you know we don't want to spoil opportunities, good opportunities yeah. that come up. But you do have all these other things that you do have to think about when you're with a band as opposed to when you're solo.
0: Yeah. Um. And going back to like you know what you were saying about you know you can't just like drop everything and commit to it 100. It's quite sobering when you like I've I've heard through could be a bit of Chinese whispers, but like I've heard through a couple of people like there's a specific, like there's a couple of bands that you think like you look at when you look at like the industry or even like in the pop punk world, there's a couple of bands that come to mind that you think are doing well. And, you know, they might be, you know, they're on labels and labels are funding their stuff and, and they, it, It looks like they're doing quite well, but in actual fact, like every single member of that band has a day job, and it's 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 a it's quite a sobering realization to realize that even when you're at the top of your game in your in your world, you still have to find some other means of income to sustain it.
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to uh, the singer of Fangs, you know, Josh, and he, you know, he's a carpenter. I I speak to so many people that um, you see doing very well. I mean. A band A band like Fangs, they're not claiming that they're, you know, they just they want work anymore. they're having a bloody good time. But everyone sort of has to have so, have some sort of backup. Um, and, and like you said, yeah, I reckon there are a lot of big bands, even international bands that are, you know, someone like Jimmy Eat World even, you know, I'm pretty sure that they're all working. Um, yeah. And it's crazy to think that because you go to these festivals and you see them play in front of 60,000 people. Where's the money go? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah exactly. And it's like as well like it's weird that we draw that parallel between like you know that being the only reason that you know you want to be like a successful band is yeah. so you can like it's weird because like coming into music that's kind of what was sold to me especially that mentality sub- subliminally through the music that I was getting into when I was like 12 13 it was like Guns N Roses and all those like really indulgent kind of they just indulge in everything that they if they like something they took it basically, you know, they're playing stadiums and you're 12 years old, you're about to hit, you're like, you're just starting puberty and like hormones are raging and you see it's like, oh, they get girls and they're, they're playing to heaps of people and just like, it it appeals to all those kind of things that you're thinking about at 12, 13 years old, and which is like, now it's kind of like you're getting into music for all the wrong reasons. Um, and now it's like, it's it's so different for me because you, you you spend a little time in the music industry and you're like, oh, it's not about that. Like, it's about... You know, what? what is your de- definition of success? Like if your definition of success is just playing a band with your mates and touring every now and again, yeah, then, and then you're you fucking ask, successful. Yeah. Like you're more yeah. successful than most people. If that's your definition and you're doing it, then you're successful.
1: I don't know if it's the same for you, but for me, I've been playing since I was 12. So I've been yeah. playing 20 years. Even from the age of 12, I took things pretty seriously. I was like, oh yeah, you know, you've got to have some sort of image and all that. Lately especially the last couple of years, I don't give a fuck about any of it. And I feel nowadays things are rolling better. More opportunities are coming forward. Almost like as soon as I changed my attitude, things got better I don't know, yeah. you know I, maybe I, I went through all that learning process of just like what works what doesn't I mean I've had I've played so many gigs where I didn't get paid I played so yeah. many gigs to to just the sound mixer at the back of the stage like literally no yeah. one was there like no one was there um I've had good gigs as well where you know it, I've had a few where I've supported and it's sold out and stuff but nowadays when I look at what's happening now I feel like just because I'm a lot more chilled about things, I feel like I'm getting more opportunities. Is that the same yeah. for you?
0: Yeah. Oh, I, li- I like what you said before. Like, you, if you, as soon as you change your attitude, like, I fully acknowledge, like, you know, it's easier said than done for, mo- for like, a lot yes, of people. Yes, but it's, sure. it is really quite, can be quite auspicious auspicious to, um like, never underestimate the power of a positive mind. Like, that will, like, you know, one single positive thought is like a drop And it creates like a ripple effect and it's just like the more positive thoughts, the more likely you are to perpetuate that and continue on with that. And I've, I've been like working on a bit of like, you know, you speaking, speaking to yourself nicely and just like a lot of like personal self-improvement like that, because it's like, and reminding yourself and unlearning and breaking that habit of being so negative, because like in reality, like we talk about ourselves in such a horror, like usually when we talk about ourselves or we put ourselves down, we we say things about ourselves that we probably wouldn't even say to people about people that we don't like. And 100%. it's crazy that you would talk to yourself like that. Yeah. Um, and if you just break that habit and start just even just like tiny little baby steps, incremental steps towards catching yourself out a couple of times a day saying negative things. And go, oh, wait, no, that's not that's not right. Come mm-hmm. on, you're better than this. But what's the positive out of this situation? And you build on that. And before you know it, like a couple of months down the line, six months down the line, you, you change your entire attitude. Things just start aligning.
1: When you're positive, I believe you're more attractive. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that sounds weird. The opportunities are attracted to you mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. So when you start, you know, if you can, like, like you're saying, change your attitude, um, I always look back on – some of the best days of my life or the best opportunities that have been given to me in my life. And they have always happened on those days or around those days when I've been happy and positive. Um, I I just feel like those days where I'm not feeling it and I go home and I don't do much and I don't, you know, whatever. It's not a lost day, but it's, (laughs)
0: you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Like life
0: isn't just like a straight path of ascension to your goals. Like, you know, it's not like it's not just like that. Like it's like that. it's like you have great days, you have bad days, and it's like as long as it's okay, as long as it's like kind of like that. Yeah, you know, over time, it, you are making improvements. It's great, but like you know, a couple of crappy days where you don't do anything productive or like can be like can bad, be good like, for you
1: still. Yeah, they can you know, still be good. It's the still. end of
0: the world, and um, and you need that. But you need that contrast to put it into perspective. Like if you're happy all the time, happiness wouldn't be happiness. You need right. the sadness to balance it out.
1: There you go. Very deep. deep. (laughs) Yeah, podcast has gone very deep. We've solved all of the world's problems, so uh, there we go. (laughs) You play a lot of um, covers music, you were saying. Um, Does that help your original songwriting?
0: Um, It helps keep my voice in shape. It's like going to the gym, really. Like if I'm singing, you know, doing three, four gigs, solo gigs a week and stuff, it keeps it – yeah, it keeps it in shape and especially like I you know, do a couple of like food markets as well and they're like, you have to start singing at 8 in the morning yeah. and that's rough. <laughs> and it's like, and it's and I, I was into it, A, because who has a gig at 8 in the morning? Like it's just, you know, no one. So I took it and I really liked the fact that it was a bit of character building and learning how to be able to sing at 8 in the morning. Like the night before you got a gig, you might finish at, you know, midnight or something. And then you go home, you're like, oh, I've got to sing in. Like you get off stage and you've got to sing in eight hours. You go home, you get like five hours sleep, get up, and you you learn how to like look after your voice.
1: I remember I used to play three or four hour corner bar shows. And I'd play Friday, Saturday, Sunday even. And um, when I got back into originals music, I was like, this is a breeze. yeah i know right yeah play like 45 minute set and you used to i remember some gigs i'd play three hours without a break like if the crowd was like some of the pubs i play it would be so loose and you'd be like oh just keep playing (laughs) (laughs) but uh but what i what i mean by that is like yeah when it comes time to play an original uh set for 45 maybe an hour you're just like oh this is this is a lot easier than what i'm used to yeah I see what you mean with seasoning your voice. I'm glad.
0: I'm glad that like you come from that world as well because I find myself like I've got like a foot in each. There's this weird dichotomy like people that just do covers as you know for their living. They don't. They don't have. Maybe they don't have an interest in songwriting. They don't have the time or whatever.
1: Yeah, they just love music. They just sort of want to play um, live and they sort yeah. of want to just play
0: songs. There's, there's a weird. Like, there's an interesting attitude. I'm not saying this is generalizing. Not every cover artists, things like this. But I find like when I try and talk about, you know, the other side of like the, you know, songwriting world and stuff, they can't, there's kind of like this attitude like, oh, that's cute. You write your own songs. Like good luck with that. Yes. And then the other side is like when you're talking, like when you're like hanging out with like your mates that are playing bands or like, you, you know, you're seeing a band or whatever and you're, you're p- hanging out with people in that world, they're like, oh, you play covers? Like, oh. And I was like, it's weird because I don't, to me, there's like why should there be an issue with either side?
1: Yeah, no, there shouldn't be an issue with either side. But I, I, I think it's good to, to have your fingers in both pies. You know, like I think it's 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 healthy. I think what I what I used to find when I play a cover show, I'd be playing all the same old hits that you probably do as well, and. It helped me with my songwriting. I was already writing songs way before I was doing that sort of stuff, but I remember just like once you keep playing those same songs over and over and it, and they're always hits, right? When you've got a cover show, you're always writing, playing hits to people, songs they know. And you start to realize how those songs are written. And then when it comes time to sit in the garage and start writing a few more songs of your own, you you know I sit there and I go, oh John Mellencamp did it like this, or um you know, Cold Chisel did it like this. you know, like there's a lot of learning when you play any cover show. yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And you should always like, you know you've got the you know the no-brainer songs the tried and true songs that everyone knows and loves but it's it's also real like as you said it just it all kind of flows back into your songwriting as well because you absorb it and then on top of that like learning all of your favorite songs and how they work and you like hear this great like this six section that in one song you're like that was amazing and you, you break it down you figure out how to how they did it you know like, okay how can i apply this to one of my songs because that was fucking awesome
1: How do you deal with people that – I know you brought this up just before. How do you deal with people coming up to go, oh, you know, original songs. Oh, that's cute. You know, (laughs) whatever you said before. Like because I, everyone gets it. I think everyone that writes songs and especially people who – I, I don't know what you're like with with songs and stuff. When I've got a song, I'm I'm plugging the hell out of it, right? Because that's what you got to do. Otherwise, it just gets lost. No one gives a shit. But apart from that, I'm not probably always telling people at social events that I what I do and and stuff like that. I'll go to a party. I wouldn't even mention once that I'm in a band or, or that I play that's... or write any songs. And um, yeah, if, if it does pop out, someone always sort of has that reaction, like, "Oh, you write songs, you know?" And never, yeah. It if easy. you're not
0: if you're not in like a musical crowd, like you know, like most of my, most of my friends playing bands and I don't have a lot of friends that don't understand the creative world. Yeah, And that's probably just because it's like, maybe it's, I just got sick of being given a hard time. It's like, Oh, that's cute. Like you play in a band. It's like, fuck you. This is my job. Go fuck yeah. yourself. Like, yeah. Go invest in a coal mining company. You chump. Like, um, and so, I I don't have a lot. So there's a lot of respect, like in, in my circle of friends, there's a lot of respect for that kind of stuff. But I do remember those painful conversations, like maybe like in, in some weird anomaly, I got invited to like a high school party and, you know, I was like, you know, I had three friends. We were the weird kids that listened to music. And then, you know, they'd always do like the super ironic, like devil horns or whatever. And I actually, you know, it was just this, I actually won this award Like at the end of year 12, I think it was condescending as fuck, but they're like most likely to become a rock star was, and I won that award and I was like, "Ah, I'll take it. All right. I think that's cool, but you're all making fun of me, but I'm going to make this my own thing. So
1: fuck you. Um, You and I are very similar. So I got the most likely to be famous award and that was purely because I played in a band. So (laughs) they'll probably taking the piss there as well for me.
0: Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's only, it's only an issue if you let it become an issue. It's like, I know that they don't take me seriously, but I take myself seriously. So, you know, I'm going to take this, I'm going to call this a win. Fuck them. Something you said before as well, like if it does come up in conversation, you kind of like, there's a certain like element of humility or reluctance to try and talk about it. Yeah. And I think it's a very Australian thing. Like, I don't want to go too down, far down the, the, the tall poppy syndrome rabbit hole, but it, it's a very Australian thing to do that where it's like, you don't want to, you want to be humble because it's it's really easy to come off um, arrogant when you're proud of things. And it's, it's a weird Australian conditioning that doesn't really happen anywhere else in the
1: world. At the end of the day, too, the love for music and the love for songwriting always wins. Like anyone can try and bring you down. I remember when I was 15, my band at the time, I went and played a gig at the Beachcomber in Tukli, which is just up the road, not far from where I lived. And I was so, so pumped that we're playing this gig. Like, and we weren't, we were that young that dad had to come along and make sure we weren't going near the bar and stuff. No. And the security guards were like, hey, if your son's band's playing, you've got to make sure you look after him. Got up there, played all originals terrible originals they were so bad like but we just loved it so much jumped in the car packed up left the gig had to go early got home jumped on myspace first thing that i saw how bad was that opening (laughs) band they (laughs) it was something like shithouse singer and when you're 15 i I actually i remember crushing yeah 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 you sit there and you go oh okay so it is bad. (laughs) The band does suck. But then I remember having like a conversation with myself and I, this is why I still remember it because I was like, well, you will get this till the day you die because music is so like, what, subjective. Like I can go and play it out the front right now. And 20 of my neighbors will tell me to shut up because they're not into that style of music. So I just sort of, I remember saying to myself, this is what's going to happen. This is the, the shit you've got to cop if you're going to do this for the rest of your life. And I went, oh, well, fuck it, whatever. Yeah, I'll exactly. I'll just keep because I love it.
0: And it's an unfortunate reality of putting yourself in any kind of like public spotlight, such as being in a band, uh, putting your music online or whatever. There are going to be people out there that just have nothing better to do. Maybe they have a reason. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're just bored and they're just trying to, you know, they just want to say something negative about something that someone takes very seriously and it's going to be everywhere. Like I, I, there was one moment when we put out, um, so my Molly went from Molly and the girls went from like having a raw, rough around the edges sound to working with Stevie Knight, who does like standard and red hook and stuff like that. Um, and he's got a very specific sound and it sounds amazing. It's incredible. And we recorded a song, put out a song with him. And I put, uh, do you know the Aussie punk collective Facebook group? Yes. Yeah. So it's like basically They're very want, critical. Yeah. I, I, if you don't <laughs> sound like no effects, ah, uh, oh, you're yeah. shit basically. Oh, um, I. and it's just a bunch of whiny punks that just like complaining. And it's like, I didn't realize that that's, that's, that's what that group is. Uh, and I didn't realize that was it. And I was like, Oh, Aussie punk collective. Okay. I'll post my new song in here. See what they think mm. got absolutely destroyed. And it was like one of those moments where I was like, Whoa, I'm really proud of this song. What the fuck's going on? Like yeah. why aren't they and I was like oh and then I figured it out. I was like oh this is not the right group for this kind of music.
1: There's a dark side to punk rock, isn't there? But here's the thing that I've noticed over the years. You got your bands like um NoFX who are great, Pennywise, um you know blink Two and all that. They're not this you know, there, there's this toxic side of punk rock with a lot of fans. Yeah. They're very critical about other people's bands. They say really nasty stuff about people's bands. But the actual bands aren't this yeah, way. Yeah, well, it's
0: like these these things are coming from people that aren't in bands. Is are coming from these comments? These opinions are coming from people that aren't in bands that don't write songs. They just sit on their ass and, you know, probably wish that they were doing that. I can theorize. You know, I don't have a concrete answer, but it's like it's coming from people that aren't actually out there doing it. So at the end of the day, with that considered, like why would you even care about
1: what they say? That's what it comes down to, doesn't it? I mean, which, this is what I do. People are going to hate me. So what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, um, hey, it's been
0: great chatting with you. You've told us about some of the gigs coming up. Uh, on the 3rd of November at Sappho Bar and Glee. It's a bookshop and then you walk down an alley and they've got a bar at the back. Nice. And they have, like, I'm pretty sure they got music like five nights a week, like, I don't know, something, something crazy like that. But it's really like it's – You couldn't fit a band there. It's probably too loud for bands, lots of resonance and shit like that. But it's like very much like a songwriter thing. And I just thought it'd be perfect considering this is what I'm doing. My mate Diego's also playing and he's got a song out. Um, And then I'm getting SM, the band called SM. They've done a lot of recording at Def Wolf Mm -hmm. as well. But they're going to, the singer and her guitarist are going to do a little set as well, just because they're awesome. The harmony is awesome. Just cool little punk rock, guitar, piano, and two-part harmonies. I've got a couple more songs to release as well. I've I've got like six songs recorded, nice. like professionally with Death Wolf, and then the plan is to put them out separately and then combine them for an EP. And the next couple of songs will be like full band arrangements. I got the drummer from Molly and the Girls to come in and record some drum tracks and stuff. And
1: so good. So good to chat with you, Blake. Um uh, likewise. Uh, do you know is there a time frame of when the next song comes out?
0: Uh, I'm aiming for like February like, and then yeah I've got a bunch of things cool things happening in 2023 like you know tours and songs and trying to sort out some audacious kind of things and getting out of my comfort zone
1: well we got to organise a gig together I reckon that'd be oh, fucking fuck cool that'd yeah man that'd be great alright Blake thanks so much for jumping on the street press it's been a lovely chat uh, and I'll make sure I get out to some gigs sick thanks for your time Sean no worries man take it easy Blake Gutierrez from Molly and the Crowls, also obviously doing his own solo stuff as well. If you want to catch him in action, his gig is tomorrow night, so that is at the Sappho Bar in Sydney in Glebe. It's uh, I think it's the last show of his days, weeks, months, and years tour. So uh, check him out. He's awesome, Blake Tires. You can find him on uh, Spotify. You can also find him at blaketires.com. Um, so, so do that. He's, uh, he's bloody good. All right, now it's time for this. Letters! This is the part of the show called Letters. You can hit up the streetpresspodcast.com. It's a flash new website. Uh, it's got news articles on there. It's got a request button, so you can click that and request an artist that I should interview. Uh, and there's also a letters tab on there where you can just ride on into the show and I'll read it out in this section. Um, This one's from Tim Travers. He is a designer on the Central Coast. He's a great dude. Um, He says, I'm a shocker at the Street Press Trivia, but I love it. So the Street Press Trivia actually happens on my account, on my Instagram account, the night before the episode drops. And I give you four potential artists who are going to be on the next day and you've got to try and guess which one it is. And it's been a lot of fun seeing people get things wrong or watching them get it right. Um, but Tim, thanks for writing in. Tim is also the guy who, if you've been following my band, the Ritzy Kids, he came up with the shark playing the Telecaster, which is now on T-shirts. It's now on Stubby Coolers. He's a, he's an incredible designer. And if you want to hit him up, you can find him on Instagram. Go to uh, Tim underscore Travers on Instagram. He loves punk rock music. And, uh, and he's a great designer. So if you're in a band or you're a musician and you want some shirts done or some stubbies done and you need your own unique original design, Tim's your man. As for the band, the of Kids, we are playing our first Central Coast show. I announced that last week. We are playing at the Sunker Monkey Hotel in Erina, December 16, and uh, it's a week before Christmas, so... I think the vibe's going to be pretty bloody good. If you want to head on out and uh, catch us in action, we're also going to have a new single out by then. Uh, I'll probably talk more about the single in the next uh, few episodes because the single's going to drop in December at some time. So uh, if you want to grab a ticket to the show, theritzikids.com, hit it up. Next week, I'm really excited about this. The first female singer on the Street Press podcast. I know it's taken a while. She is an absolute star in the rock and roll world at the moment. And it's uh, it's so good that she's gonna be on uh, next Wednesday. So make sure that you tune on in. That's the end of this episode. Ta-da.